I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. Just click on the link in the description below or go to my website, AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about a complicated relationship. I've heard those exist. Do they? Yes. Do they? How long does it usually take for a relationship to get complicated? Depending on who you are, anywhere from five minutes to a week. <laughs> it can happen real fast. Yeah, and I think we're about to see that in okay. today's video. Um, what do you think makes a relationship complicated? Uh, mixed feelings on the part of people. Mm -hmm. um, if anybody's jealous, that makes it complicated. If there are other people involved, like parents who hate somebody, that's the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's exactly, I always think it was family of origin. Family of origin mm -hmm. issues, yes, absolutely. There's a lot of reasons that a relationship can be complicated. Maybe friends getting in the middle. Yeah. Um, mental health issues. Mental There's health a lot issues. of different things. But nothing does it quite like interference from family of origin mm -hmm. and in many couples who have this if one has it the other one does too because one of the things they had in common was coming from a certain kind of family mm -hmm. interesting yeah well let's see what plays out we have a really interesting scenario here and I think what's going to be surprising for many of the people listening okay. is how a relationship can be this complicated when you've only been together for two months. Oh, and here's the kicker. They've never met. Oh, this is a complicated relationship over the computer. I guess so. That would take some extreme talent. <laughs> well, let's see okay. what's going on here. So they met through Twitter. Twitter. It was a long distance relationship and they planned to meet this month. She had a rather tough childhood, so already we're starting to see, yeah. here we go, yeah. which led to her borderline personality disorder. Okay. Her father ran out on her early, and her mother was a drug addict for most of her life. My goodness. Terrible way to start your life. Terrible way to start, and no, no diagnosis she has is her fault. So, he says that the problem in the relationship were her communication or lack of and my reaction to that communication or lack of <laughs> he says in hindsight I was overthinking the situation and I believed she was leaving me I now how can you leave somebody when you've never even met them well you cannot talk to them four times a day could feel like leaving to some people that's right uh, that's a great point and what stands out to me from the get-go is the tremendous amount of unmet needs that this guy must have to feel like somebody who he's never even met and only been talking to for two months is going to abandon him. There's not even really an attachment yet. Yet he's already terrified of abandonment. Oh my lord, so he must have abandonment issues going into this. Oh, major. Given her diagnosis, one of her major issues would also be abandonment. Mm-hmm. So do go on. Okay. 
He said, in hindsight, I was overthinking the situation and I believed she was leaving me. I will elaborate in more detail later. And I acted very clingy and needy. She didn't even really break up with me. She just ghosted me and left. A term I've only recently learned. Yes. When somebody just vanishes, vanishes on you. from on, the computer, yeah. Yeah. Well, people can do that in real life, yes, too. Yes, they can, yeah. Uh, not even an I need space or I think we should see other people. Just gone. So, that kind of tells me that maybe she didn't think it was as serious as, as he, he did. Was, yeah. Or, you know, her being a borderline, she would be a lot more likely to constantly bring new people into her life, right? And but not with a, not but she would never want to let go of the old ones, either. So she's she's in a terrible double bind. Um, we'll talk about borderline again again soon. We talked about it relatively recently, mm -hmm. but it's so common these days and labeled as borderline so commonly these days. We'll do it again. Okay. So he said she is a borderline personality. She has borderline personality disorder. An online relationship met through Twitter, had planned to meet this month, spent time together via Skype, Xbox, calling, and texting. Okay. The relationship was very romantic and peaceful. While they were together. All right. Now, how can a relationship be romantic when you've never even met her? You'd have to be borderline. <laughs> but he, is he a borderline? Well, who knows what we've got here. But, I mean, come on, you're saying it was very peaceful? Well, I think when they were talking to each other, it was peaceful. When they were kind of united, whenever they were kind of united, it was peaceful, mm -hmm. which probably is holding both of them in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. We fell very hard for each other, and our relationship developed and progressed extremely fast. Never a good idea, but when your needs have never been met, easy to have happen. Exactly. I mean, this poor guy, I mean, he thinks this relationship has moved on, you know, extremely fast. But he's never even met this woman. Right. Uh, they never had any conflicts or problems. I did everything right till the end. And he brought up my videos, How to Be Your Superman and How to Be the Mountain. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, basically, that um, he was kind of doing things right by accident, by chance. Yeah. Okay. He says, I was never clingy, obsessive, controlling, mentally or emotionally abusive. She has been in a real relationship, or she hasn't been in a real relationship, in several years. I mean real, as in not long distance. She also has an odd disinterest in sex or intimacy in general. Mm, okay. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, I would immediately wonder... Um if she has a sexual abuse history, if she has a trauma history. That's exactly often, what I was thinking. Which often goes with um, the borderline personality disorder. And the tragedy for the person who lives with borderline personality disorder is that your needs have never been met. Your attachments have never really met your needs. And you're desperately needy to be in a supportive relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. However, because you're unused to that, you kind of don't know what to do with it when it comes. So and so you're constantly feeling smothered or either abandoned. Either smothered or abandoned. And you're just desperately going back and forth and you have like no control over it. No, but intimacy is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
I wanted to make this clear so you wouldn't write all of this as she found someone else that actually lives near her. There's not enough evidence to proclaim that she isn't seeing anybody that I know of. So, he feels like that's a big factor here, that there's somebody else involved. I thought he said he didn't. That, that yes, that, that there is nobody else involved. Right. That's I, what I yeah. mean. Yeah, so. okay. So, here's why he said it ended. She told me, sure, she never told me. She just ghosted me and left. However, I reached out to a friend, and I think I know why. She, as I mentioned, is a borderline. Her friend had told me that she is the type of person that will just take a break from someone in the sense that she will just ignore you and want nothing to do with you for a few days at a time, but would gladly come back and carry out a conversation later on. Well, that kind of puts him in a difficult position. Okay. Yeah, his life is constantly being put on hold, right. and yeah. this is a woman he's never even met yeah. before. Right. Now, what do you think about that? Would you say that's an accurate description for a borderline to do? Yes. Yes, I would. Borderlines are so ambivalent about relationships, you never know what they're going to do. And borderlines tend to be sort of all-or-nothing people. Mm -hmm. Everybody's either all good or all bad, so if they're in a relationship with you, you're, without question, the best thing since sliced bread. Um, but that can get uncomfortable, so they can just leave you for a while and then come back. And it could be on again, off again. is very easy. So let's talk about the borderlines. They must have an incredible time, or an incredibly difficult time, uh, working through that. They do have a terrible time. And by no means am I saying that borderlines can't get better. They most certainly can. I've seen some get to normal, as a matter of fact. But a borderline usually comes from an extremely chaotic family, and they bring that chaotic family sort of with them everywhere they go. Mm -hmm. And borderlines almost never feel safe. They're usually never in a situation that would make anybody safe emotionally or even physically. Mm -hmm. um, so they become very erratic, are easily disturbed, um, and do kind of drastic things. And the first thing I would say to any borderline who came to me for therapy is first you've got to stop the craziness because I can't help you. <laughs> and how would they stop the craziness? Um, well, say some kind of goodbye to somebody. Don't call the people who get you crazy three times a day. Uh, mostly don't call your mother three times a day, which is very, <laughs> very common. Um, that borderlines, because they've never gotten their affectional or attentional needs met, will often have very difficult relationships with mother and they desperately call her three times a day, I'm not exaggerating, always hoping to get what they never got. So a lot of times a borderline is acting out because they're trying to get their mom's attention. Mom's attention or anybody else's attention but mostly mom because that's where they're the most deprived and the deprivation is early on. It's terrible to be a borderline. The diff real difficulty is you desperately want the relationship you, you didn't get, but when it comes to you, you have no idea what to do with it. So, yeah, because the minute it comes close to you, it's terrifying. Yeah. And then the minute it's gone, it's terrifying. Yeah. Either way, you're feeling like you're going to die. It's a terrible position to be in. Yeah, it is. And so, how does anybody that's listening, how would they um, work through that? What would be the most effective way to, to 
become more um, secure and healthy? Well, you, you need a place to tell your life story. Mm -hmm. A therapist is good. There are places online where you can do it. If you get into a healthy relationship, which would take a lot of work on your part, um, that could begin to heal. You need a corrective emotional experience. In other words, you need something different from what befell you as a child. You'd need somebody who was consistent and there for you and cared about you, not just when they were in the mood, but all of the time. And you could get that with going to a therapist and yes, talking you could. to a therapist. Yes, if the therapist is comfortable with that diagnosis. Um, Which is a challenge for many right. therapists. It's, it's not easy to treat a, a borderline because they do the same thing to you they do to other people. It's just that they, you understand where it's coming from. Interesting because sometimes I, I suspect someone is a borderline when they want to work with me, right. depending upon how demanding they can be right. with me. I mean, they have to, you guys have to understand, I'm working with people around the world every day, and there's a huge demand for me, and there's only me. It's right? only one. There's, there's only, only me. One. But, and, I mean, there have to be some ground rules. You can't call me 24-7 um, when your cat's mad at you, and that can constitute a crisis, and I'm not making fun of anyone. Those things happen. So you have to set some basic ground rules, and, and let the person know that you know how overwhelming their abandonment issues are, and how upset they get if the neighbor doesn't speak to them when they're coming in today. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand all that, but you have to make some reasonable agreements on how much contact you can have and what's helpful and what isn't. But if you, if you uh, work with a therapist, they can help you kind of undo what's yes. been done. Yes, and it can be cor corrective emotional experience is a wonderful concept that hasn't been said much in recent years in therapy circles. But it's a wonderful concept that if you can manage a therapeutic relationship with somebody, huge improvements can be made. And also the older you get, um, the more you learn. And mm -hmm. a lot of um, recovering from craziness like that is learning what do other people do in some in circumstances mm -hmm. like this. And sometimes just watching somebody else makes yeah. you say, oh, well, they did that. I guess I better do that too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or if I do this for the 83rd time, I'm going to get arrested again. Um, and I have always been happy to work with borderlines. In fact, I, I began to learn this trade working with borderlines, but, and I'm always annoyed at the therapists who don't want to work with them. There are some wonderful people who through no fault of their own mm -hmm. are left with this pathology. That's right. Yeah. And so we, you and I have talked about this before, is uh, you saw a lot of borderline males in the prison. I worked in the prison. And I was always told when I was in school a long time ago um, <laughs> that there are borderline women um, and there are antisocial men. Antisocial men get into prison because they hurt somebody or they steal too many cars or, mm -hmm. you know, they do things like that. But I learned very quickly that that's simply not true. There are many borderline men in the prison system um, who've been through all the same craziness that the women have, including the sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And um, once they were in a confined situation, of a high security unit, they were quite easy to work with because they didn't have to spend all their energy trying to stay out of trouble. They were kind of where they lived, <laughs> automatically out uh -huh. of trouble. And, and the I, limit. It's, it's consistent. The, the problem for the poor borderline is that mother is um, really friendly and affectionate with them when she feels like it. Mm -hmm. But she's so distracted by the other six children or whatever else she's living with, she can't be consistent about it. 
And so you end up with two moms, the one that responds to you and the one that, you, that doesn't. And so you love her intensely, but you're also very angry at her at the same time. And so you can't understand how it's the same person. Right. And right. you ultimately... And you do a thing called splitting, meaning I like your agency, but I don't like the agency over there. Mm -hmm. I like you, but I didn't like the other six therapists I had. That always gives you a clue. Um, but the therapeutic thing to do is to create limits, which in the prison system were already nicely handily there, mm -hmm. and then to be nurturing in addition to limit setting. No, you can't go out again and sell drugs. No, you can't go out and steal cars. No, you can't hurt people when you get really, really mad. Um, and so when they get the combination of caring and limits, which is what happens in a healthy parent-child relationship, um, many of them can improve rather rapidly. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, at a, oftentimes when it's too late, at least in, in an aspect of now they're in prison for right. many, many years or most of their life or... Well, some of them, yes, and it, it's tragic. All of it's tragic and it's not the person's fault, although we blame them because we don't like their behavior much. Yes. Um, but I, I always remind them, we know what happened to you, we know it wasn't okay, but the behavior is still up to you. And, and so when you were working with the borderlines in the prison, mm -hmm. Uh, you would see a lot of act-out behaviors, right? And then when they would act out, it was like they would be fine afterwards? Oh, of course. The, the tension would build up, um, or the depression would begin to get there. I'll tell you about the depression, because that's easy. Um, if you're in jail, chances are you're depressed because you're in jail, not to mention the fact that all the factors that got you there would be enough to depress anybody. Mm -hmm. So I would say to my group, when I would leave for the weekend, a couple of you look really depressed. I don't want to come back here Monday morning and find out you were in a fist fight because nothing would cheer them up like a good fight. Mm -hmm. um, All of them or just the ones that got in the fight? Well, depends on how well they were doing that week, <laughs> but most of them could do it. So they'd both be somewhat cheered up because they got a, an adrenaline rush, they got some of their anger out in, in action instead of talking and that's faster, etc., etc. And I came into my unit one morning, one Monday morning in a particularly good mood, and three of them said, so who did you punch out over the weekend? <laughs> I said, no, I have other means. That's why I'm here when you're there. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting. So um, when the borderline um, is out, you know, they're not in prison yet, they're doing a lot of these act-out behaviors. What's going on with them? Inside. Yeah. All kinds of pain, all kinds of anxiety. They're totally ridden with anxiety. Mm -hmm. They have anger. They have no idea how to get out because very rarely are they verbal. Mm -hmm. uh, because if people could put words to emotion, they can function pretty well. I also worked with borderline moms when I worked in child welfare. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a difficult situation too because it, they were struggling to give the babies, the children they had, what they didn't get and that's never easy. So you sure. get them all the help you could, groups, individual therapy, any nurture they got, of course, the children got. Mm -hmm. um, so the borderlines are constantly acting out to relieve the internal pain. pain. Yes. And they're also ultimately hoping this will finally get mom's attention. Yes. Th those, are, those are two very common parts. One of the first things I would ask any of these folks is, how often do you... Do you talk to your mother? And the answer was usually three times a day and we fight. And it was so sad for both of them, for well, both yeah. the mother and the, and the child. Sometimes if you could intervene with the mother as well, mm -hmm. 
um, some good things could happen. And I found Borderline Moms very willing to hand on any goodies, emotional goodies, they got to the children. I have no problem with Borderlines, but many therapists would say, I'm, I must be nuts too. <laughs> I've learned to live with it. Well, they are, uh, they are a challenge. They are. Because Absolutely. they're often very angry and angry. demanding. Yep. You were one minute late, you don't care about me. I knew you didn't care about me. Mm -hmm. I knew I liked the lady at the other agency mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you're welcome to go back to her if you like her better. Well, no. I'll come back. <laughs> okay. We got really off task there, but that's good. I think this this video, we really needed to explore yes, that. Yes, I think we need to, needed to explore. Um, because we're in a situation here. Um, where we have a borderline and we know it's a borderline so just getting a better understanding of what's going on there um, can help people really because I, I think a lot of people are going to sit back and be like well this person's a borderline yeah, or I'm a borderline and, and be really surprised um, I know that um, you know I think a breakup must have a huge oh it's unbelievably devastating and you have to be very careful about suicide. When you have somebody who is that desperate and who has been that deprived, mm -hmm. you have to be very, very careful. And that's one of the reasons why people don't want to work with borderlines. But usually what they say is they're manipulating by being suicidal. If that's a chance you want to take, good luck to you. I'll hospitalize you as fast as I'll look at you because I know how real the threat is. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, all right, let's get back to the story here. Now, the last thing that I talked about was how she just vanished on this yeah, guy, just ghosted vanished. him. Okay? I didn't know this at the time, so when she did this at the end of our relationship, I took it as her way of breaking up with me, and I started to do my fair share of begging and pleading. Whether she, Now, how do you think a borderline would respond to somebody begging and pleading? It would make him feel suffocated right away? It's hard to know. It would depend where on that spectrum they are. Um, for the rule, the rule is any attention is better than none. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, whether she was leaving or not, I acted like she was, and I can only imagine that it was a tonal turn-off to her, as I must have came off extremely, extremely clingy and obsessive. She had also been very distant the past three weeks. Now, this relationship was only two months. Yes. And he's saying there was, was never any problem, but she's been distant for three weeks of the two months? It was a lifetime for these two, I think. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting how, you know, he says for two months it was great, but for three weeks of it she's been distant. Yep. That's a good percent. That's 75%? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Too, too much. Three out, of, three out of eight, maybe that. Okay, my math is way off on three out of eight. Yeah. But it was like 33%. Close. Uh, so, I confronted her about being so distant about a week prior to this. She had started talking or taking hours to reply back to text, stopped making time for me, etc. She would blame this on her new work schedule. I, of course, believed her, and it didn't bother me. Then, she was holding a job. She was doing extremely well. Yeah. Then, more than once, I saw videos and photos on, on my social media of her playing games and hanging out with her friends, despite me asking and telling her that I missed her and would like to spend time with her. Now, keep in mind, they still haven't met each other. He's talking about, like, Skyping or playing Xbox or something. Uh, so she had the time, she just didn't want to spend it with me. Oh dear. 
Yeah. Any thoughts about what's going on with him? Well, I think he has his abandonment fears too, and he's taking it personally, and he's all upset. Mm -hmm. She's just doing her borderline thing. When I confronted her about all of this, I'm paraphrasing, but I essentially told her that she needs to text me back in a reasonable amount of time so we can hold an actual conversation, or she needs to tell me why she can't and text me later when she is free. So he's got tremendous amounts of separation yeah, he anxiety. he feels here moving away and he's going to get more controlling, which mm. isn't going to help. No. I realized I came off as very aggressive about it and I apologized for it and we worked it out. Clearly not enough though, because for whatever reason, this and the way I reacted to her ignoring me for those few days may have triggered one of those flight or flight mechanisms in her brain and I think she took me out of the white and dumped me into the black with her abusive exes or negative influences in the past. He may have looked up borderline personality disorder and read that they tend to see people as black or white. Mm -hmm. okay. Keep in mind, she never read any messages I sent from her. From Our breakup was on the 7th or so. At least those were the last messages she sent me. I put breakup in quotes because she never really broke up with me. Instead, she completely ghosted me and went her separate way. I'm thinking it's mostly because I may have overwhelmed her and made her feel trapped, likely bringing it upon myself. She hasn't read my messages or sent me any in over a month. She unfollowed me on Twitter, blocked me on Facebook Messenger, removed me on Xbox, absolutely everything. Well, you've been broken up with, whether or not it was ghosting. Okay. She didn't block me other than Messenger. Well, he just said a whole bunch of things he was blocked on. <laughs> just removed me, which is a good sign, I think. I don't see of how... what? Yeah, I don't see how that's a good sign because she removed you on things instead of blocked you. No, I wouldn't interpret, no. I began no contact about the 12th of July or so, I'd say. I unfollowed her on Twitter, removed her on Xbox, deleted her kick, blocked her on Messenger, and deleted our text conversations. She broke up with me without giving me any reason why, a chance to fix it, or even so much as, I don't want to be with you anymore. Just ghosted me and left. She is not currently seeing anyone, as far as I know. I'm convinced that she will never talk to me again and will likely move on. Now, something that stands out to me right there is that he believes she's never going to reach out to him again. So that would tell me that he did not get his needs met in his childhood and he has a tremendous amount of anxiety. Absolutely. And as we would say in object relations, he can't hold the object. No, he can't, which means that once somebody is out of her view, literally, somebody she's not seeing, they will fade from her memory very fast mm -hmm. because for reasons too complicated to go into, <laughs> people with that diagnosis don't manage to hold the uh, picture of people that they've cared about in their head for very long. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say, he's blaming himself and it may have more to do with her internal state than it does with whatever he did. He, his theories are reasonable, it's possible, 
but it would seem to me just from what we've heard more likely that it had to do with her internal state that day. I would agree. Yeah. Um, so, let's see here. He's convinced that she'll never talk to me again and likely move on. Despite my efforts, I'm doubtful she'll ever come back considering things like how short the relationship was, regardless of the pace of the said relationship, her borderline personality disorder, and how independent she is as a person. It's been a month since our breakup, and I have been in no contact ever since to give her the time and space she needs to assess the situation. However, I'm not so sure no contact is the best option here, especially prolonging it for any more than six weeks. Like you said, it's unique to every situation, and maybe it's not the right fit for this. Our relationship was very short regardless of its pace, and considering she's a borderline, I've read that they can jump into incredibly intense and passionate relationships very brief quickly. And, yeah, stay for a brief period of time, yes. Mm -hmm. We were very attached to each other, and I think my absence may be taking a toll on her finally. I don't know why he thinks that. So do I stay in no contact, or do I put my foot in and test the waters? I think it would be a good time to do so. I've been doing my bit of lurking that every ex does, and she's recently been posting about feeling very guilty and sad, and in her words, like crap, for letting one person down that I didn't mean to. I think it's fair to assume that that person is me. If You don't know. No, he doesn't. Well, he would hope that it was him. Sure. He's very hurt. He is very hurt. He's very hurt. And I think a lot of that is he's very hurt from his early childhood. Well, I, I would guess that they probably came from similar families. Because believe it or not, people often find other people with the same kinds of issues. And it's extremely understandable. If I come from a crazy family, and so does he, mm -hmm. it will be natural for us to find each other. Because who would understand as well <laughs> as somebody who grew up in a similar situation? But then you have the same problems. That's the difficult part. Mm -hmm. That's right. And they're unresolved. Yeah. If I do need to reach out, or better yet, if and when she does, can you give me a basic guideline for what to do and say to make sure I don't screw it up? Is no contact the best option in my situation, and should I break it and reach out? Well, I don't think he should reach out. I, I mean, this either. woman has blocked him on virtually everything. Yeah. She's let him know every way she had to let him know that she's done. Or unfriended him, or yeah. whatever, removed yeah. him. And he's saying that it's a good sign, and I think it's his desperation. I think so. I think he's desperately looking for any little morsel of hope here and honestly this just is not a good situation no it's not and they they didn't do well together it felt like they did because they had this nice intense thing mm -hmm. for two months um, and three weeks of it she was distant and three weeks of it she was distant i mean um, so i mean i don't think either of them could have tolerated it going on for a really long period of time but i hope they enjoyed it while they had it um, she's most likely to contact him, if she does, in a crisis. You think so? Right. That's what borderlines do. When they're in a crisis, which is really quite often, and they genuinely feel like it's a crisis. And they genuinely feel like they're dying. Yes, they generally, yes, it, they really do. Um, you know, she might call him in the middle of the night saying, I'm drunk at a bar, or some guy is following me, or... Um, 
one of those things I would not rule out, but I don't know if it's the best thing for him. Although she made it made him feel great. Um, I think two people kind of in this situation would take, it could happen, but it might take something of a miracle to make it happen. Yeah, and, and I think... And more than 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think assessing this as uh, no contact yeah. in any way, shape, or form is going to help is not... It's just completely irrelevant. Right. And I mean, she's blocked him, yeah. she's removed him, she's telling you she doesn't want any part of you, and I don't know why you say you see any signs, because you didn't say anything on this that or, or, or that her your absence would be taking a toll on her. And you say, finally, like, it's been any length of time. It's only been a couple of weeks. She may have spent a couple of days desperate over breaking up with him, but it's easy to hook up with somebody else very quickly. And the other thing is, why would you want to be with somebody who would vanish on you for virtually no reason or tell you no reason? You wouldn't. Um, I would not be amused by that. Um, but I have a feeling it was exciting and wonderful while it lasted. It's almost like this whole situation is more like a drug for him than anything. Like he's got like this dopamine high off of that and you know it was intense and exciting but there's really no substance to no, this. absolutely not. And I think you're kidding yourself if you think that there's any real substance here and I think it's going to be hard for him to hear that. But he should go on, because, you know, none of us can predict or control what she does. And reaching out right now, I think he'd get no response again. Yes, and that is just going to make you feel worse. Yeah, because then you get a little of the dopamine again. Yeah, you're going to be excited and happy, and then when she doesn't respond, you're going to feel awful again. Right. So I, I, I would not even focus on... Um, no contact. I mean, I simply wouldn't reach out. I simply wouldn't reach out in this situation. Yeah. And if she does reach out, the first thing I would address is, what happened to you? Yeah, right. I'm I mean, sure he's worried about it. He knows her, and I bet he is worried about what happened sure. to her. Sure. But he can't fix it, and it's not his job. He won't hear that, but um, he. I think we, he's best advised to go on. Yeah. I don't. I don't think reaching out is going to be beneficial in any way. It's not going to make her magically able to have a healthy relationship. So, this is a really, really unbelievably complicated situation for two people for two that, that dated for two months oh, that never met each other in person. I think it goes to show you um, how much sense relationships have made to both of them over their lifetimes. I'm guessing that they're both quite young. Um, but when you feel like you can be as attached to somebody over the computer as you would be in person. They're both in their early 20s. Yeah, I, that, yeah. Very early that's 20s. That's not, yeah. Um, then that's just not realistic. And um, I would advise both of them to meet the person first next time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, as I often say, when there's drama, look for trauma. You yeah. can be sure that both of these... I didn't know you said that. I like that. Yeah, when there's good. drama, look for trauma. Oftentimes, people who can't communicate act out instead. Do crazy things. 
and it's a reach out for help and all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. But do not mistake this as a reach out. This is not her reaching yeah. out to you by doing this. She's literally trying to cut him off right. for whatever reason. And for it's, whatever reason. And it doesn't mean you did anything wrong because it didn't seem like it. It didn't seem to me like he did anything and I was kind of sorry that he was blaming himself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sure. Well, all he's got there is his thoughts to think about why she's gone. It must be me. Yeah. And my guess is that in his childhood... It he, was all his fault. That's right. Always. Yeah. This is all my fault. Yeah. I did this. I caused it's this. It's my fault. Yeah. He was probably told that too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Wow. Right. Really intense video. I feel so sorry for these folks. I do yeah. too. Yeah. But that's it for this video. I think we covered quite a bit on this I one. I think you got more than you bargained for. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.